Welcome to Tilt Talks. My name is Adam Roberts, and I'm the producing artistic director of Tilt Performance Group, a theater company I co-founded in 2013 with a mission to shatter disability stereotypes through inclusive theater. Throughout the upcoming seasons of this podcast, I'll be chatting with company members, staff, volunteers, and community partners about their stories and what Tilt means to them. This is Tilt Talks, shattering disability stereotypes one episode at a time. Well, hey there, everyone. Adam Roberts here, producing artistic director and co-founder of Tilt. And I am super excited to welcome you all to episode three of our still new podcast, Tilt Talks. And we have a special surprise today, which is that we are, for the first time on this podcast, welcoming in one of our major sponsors of Tilt. And that today is Capital Metro here in Austin. And I am thrilled to be here with Chad Ballantyne. And I'm going to ask Chad to tell us a little bit about his work and his position at Capital Metro. And then we're going to launch into talking a little bit about our collaboration on our upcoming original production, Loudly Proudly, which will debut and premiere online this June. Welcome, Chad. It is great to have you here today. Well, thank you so much. And hello to everybody. I'm excited to be uh, number three on the podcast episodes. Um, I've already I've tuned into the first two, so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, this one and, and beyond. Again, I'm Chad Bountine. I'm with uh, Capital Metro. So I am the uh, Vice President of Demand Response and Innovative Mobility, which just seems like a really long uh, <laughs> title. But um, essentially, I work in the uh, with the Metro Access Program, so a program for people with disabilities um, who are not able to otherwise uh, ride the fixed route regular bus or rail. Also, I work on the uh, Pickup Service, which is a neighborhood circulator, pretty cool one, uh, program that we've been uh, starting up. We continue to keep starting up new zones. And um, most recently working on uh, Metro Bike, which is just another fun little uh, thing that we've been doing. We kind of took over the uh, B-Cycle program here in Austin. And with the coordination with the city of Austin, we rebranded it Metro Bike. And so um, that's pretty awesome stuff. So there's so much going on. It's just it's always interesting around here. I love it. And one thing that folks, you know, who aren't around the Austin area or aren't local to Austin who are listening may not be aware of is, you know, Austin, when I moved here 16 years ago, you know, I wouldn't have called Austin a small town by any means even then, but it certainly was nothing like the size and infrastructure that it is now. And so Austin really didn't necessarily plan on being as large, I think, as as what we have become in a pretty short amount of time. And so having an organization and a service like Capital Metro is really critical for all kinds of organizations that are employing and are working with uh, citizens with disabilities here in Austin including Tilt. There's no way we would actually be able to do any of the things we do um, without the services of Capital Metro as a sponsor or otherwise, because we wouldn't be able to have a lot of our folks who, you know, whose disabilities include mobility uh, challenges, wouldn't be able to get to rehearsal, wouldn't be able to get to performances, or wouldn't be able to access what we do as audience members. So it's really cool to be able to sit down with you and to chat a little bit about the ways in which uh, Capital Metro 
does access. And I know you have some new programs that are uh, coming up this uh, next quarter, right? We do. We have, um, yeah, we've got a lot going on right now. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I too moved here about 15 years ago and it is so funny that you mentioned that because it's, you know, I often think back about what cap, what the city was 15 years ago and even what Capital Metro was 15 years ago. I started at Capital Metro. Um, it's actually about my anniversary of starting here at Cap Metro. And I was an intern when I started here and we were a very small agency. We just, had a few bus routes and they didn't really, you know, do a ton. And boy, have we just accelerated everything. I mean, in the past 15 years, I, this is a completely new agency. Um, I came from Seattle originally. And um, I have to say that we are now um, kind of gunning with the big agencies. And I think we're really doing some awesome stuff. And I think a lot of eyes around the country are looking at uh, Cap Metro and, and, you know, kind of what we're doing. And and I know a lot of folks maybe don't you know use Cap Metro every day or maybe not very much at all, but it really is kind of one of those key things that you know even if you don't use it, you really need it. It's kind of like a bus or I mean it's like a fire department or maybe like the you know the police that kind of thing. Like you know hopefully you don't need it, but it's really 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 important to have them um, have it around. And so we've been uh, we're, we're looking at massive expansion with all kinds of stuff, and we're looking at you know underground stations, the things that would boggled my mind 15 years ago. Because um, you used to be able to just go and drive on pretty empty streets and park anywhere you wanted back in the early days. So, yeah, so it's kind of funny. It's, it's interesting how a lot of us have, are not actually uh, native Austinites. <laughs> Isn't it true? It really is yeah. true. It's one of those places where you're sort of a, you know, a, an anomaly if you're, if you're from Austin and you're here, right? But I think we're seeing more and more, you know, at least I, I feel like we're seeing more and more folks who are remaining in Austin, who are, who are local to Austin in recent years. Yeah, and I think it's super important to, you know, transit is going to be the key to allow people to stay here because as it gets more and more expensive and in the streets get more crowded, it's got to, we've got to just make sure we've got good solutions for, you know, connecting people to affordable housing and all of those things. Um, and obviously most important is to make sure that we're, you know, supporting all the folks who need to work on a regular basis, you know, folks with disabilities who need to get around. Um, and not just need to, but also we want it to be enjoyable. We want this to be like a fun place to live. So, you know, I think that what Tilt does is pretty awesome because there's just, that's a huge, you know, interesting, fun and exciting thing that I am, I'm, I'm looking forward to y'all going back to in-person live performances someday. I don't know how, how far in the future that is, but that is going to be so exciting. But, but yeah, there's just so much, um, we're, you know, out there that's a lot to be excited about really. Well, could you talk a little bit about, I know you have a new pickup service that is in the works and that you also have um, some some exciting new accessibility plans for Q2. And I think that our uh, constituents who are listening to this podcast would probably be very interested if they're local to the area to hear about what those opportunities are going to be. Yeah, so um, so our pickup service, it's one of those, um, it's, it's sort of a, a funky little not- public transit thing originally wasn't it's an on-demand service similar to like an uber or lyft but um we noticed that there was a need you know the, the buses can't go to everyone's neighborhood can't go down every street it wouldn't make sense for you to have a 40-foot bus gone and uh, every street around the city so we built this program we tested it out in 2009 and it was incredibly popular um and so it's an on-demand like um 
app-based type of service. You can call in if you're not uh, savvy with the smartphones or you, you can't use or don't want to use a smartphone, but um, it's a bunch of zones around town. So we've got about eight zones. We're looking to be about 10 zones by the end of the year that really connect people to, you know, short trips or they connect them to the larger transportation system. And the cool thing about it is everything we did with uh, the pickup service is um, it's all 100% accessible. Every single vehicle is 100% accessible because, you know, transit, it's important to be accessible, but, um, you know, it's also good to have these other options. So these on-demand types of things, you know, whereas Lyft and Uber, you know, they have requirements to be accessible, but a lot of times anyone in a wheelchair or needs extra accessibility will know it is not easy and it is not nearly as fast and um, convenient. So that was one of our really big pushes was to make sure that it was an accessible service. And so we're putting um, this new service up in our northeast area of town called Desal. And it's, it's kind of an area that's a little bit, uh, it, it's growing, but it's also kind of cut off by streets and green belts and rivers and railroad tracks. And so it's very hard to do a regular traditional bus. And so we just have this zone where we'll go and pick you up and drop you off for a buck 25, the same as a bus fare. And um, we'll bring you, if you just want to go to the HEB, those folks who aren't from Texas, HEB is the best grocery store in the world. <laughs> but we'll take you to here, HEB here. and back home, or we'll connect you into the, the larger transit network. So there's a lot of um, yeah, it, it's a really neat program. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that's one of the ones that we're launching here in June. We're launching one zone and we've got another zone coming in July and then another zone coming in August. So, um, because they're just really, really popular. It, it's pretty awesome. A lot of times folks who use traditional, um, like, uh, especially people with disabilities who use an, uh, ADA paratransit type of service, you always have to book those trips the day in advance and you have to plan out your day and you have this large 30 minute window a lot of times. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a pain. It's not, it's not great. So this really allows anyone and everyone to be able to just get online, book a trip, have the, have that vehicle show up and do your trip right away. So it's, it's pretty cool service and we're really happy about it. Well, and as someone who's in the theater, you know, and also has a disability, you know, I have a vision impairment that's progressive. And so I had to stop driving just about when I moved to Austin. So, you know, for people who are unfamiliar with how the theater works, it can be a very scheduled endeavor, but it always has to be very flexibly scheduled because things are always changing timelines and there are many moving parts to production. And when you add in an element of um, access uh, and transportation and things like that, you know, it adds even more. And so I don't think that the the uh, ability to be able to to request a ride on demand, for example, can be overemphasized how, how awesome that is going to be for people in any kind of circumstance where you need to be able to be flexible. That's going to be, I know that's going to help out a ton of our tilt company members. And I know that that has to extend to other folks as well in the same situation. Yeah. And it's just, it's really, um, really helpful. And I'm, I'm glad to see us getting a lot of acceptance around the community for this. And, and it's great because it's not, you know, a service for people with disabilities only or, or, you know, commuters only or children or, you know, it, it's, it's literally everybody. And so I really like the idea of just having everyone kind of mixed together, writing the service and using it. I mean, that's kind of the, the ideal um, service that we want to provide. So that's, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited about it, but you're right. I mean, scheduling is, is so tough. And when you have a disability, especially a mobility impairment where you, you're relying on other ways of getting around 
it's tough. It's, it's tough. Um, even in some of the best cities. <laughs> well, 100%. You know, whenever I'm in, I'm in New York a lot. And when I'm in New York, I think, wow, some of, some of the ways that I see that people have developed to get into the subway, for example, right? I mean, it's just, you have, you know, potentially in some ways, the most robust public transportation system in the world for all its faults. And still accessibility is a major hurdle um, in the New York subway system, you know? Um, And so it's, 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 always the grass is always greener in some ways, you know, when you look at the (laughs) circumstances, I think. Yeah. And this has been an ongoing fight. I mean, you know, the, it's just, you know, the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. I mean, we've been, these fights have been going on for a really long time. Um, I think one of the coolest things about Cap Metro is that um, early on, we adopted uh, a really big commitment to accessibility. Um, we were the first city in, in Texas to have a hundred percent wheelchair accessible fleet. Um, all, almost all of our bus stops are uh, accessible, which is something most cities cannot say. Um, the only few that aren't are where we've got buildings or, you know, cliffs or major things that we can't overcome. But otherwise, we have 100% accessible bus stops, which is really, really neat. Um, I mean, just focusing on everything accessibility is um, is important. And, you know, the other thing we do is the best way to do that we've we've learned is to actually hire people with disabilities, have them on your staff, and make sure that you are everything you do is considering that. So if you've got somebody who's visually impaired or completely blind who is in a meeting with you, you need to be you know explaining what's on your powerpoints. You need to be making accessible documents. You need to you know just it's really helpful to make sure that you know the people we serve are also the people that are working with us. And so that's another cool commitment. One of the first folks that uh, I met here, uh, Nancy Crother. She's a great, great, wonderful uh, leader. Uh, she's been retired for a while now from Cap Metro, but she was, you know, they led um, bus boycotts downtown. Um, they, they, um, yeah, stopped all the buses when we had a brand new fleet of inaccessible buses in the 90s that we ran down Congress Avenue. She was out there with a bunch of folks, you know, stopping it and creating a huge protest. And it was, really cool and 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 i think the coolest response is that capital metro is like let's bring her on board instead of like let's run away from this lady she's you know she's she's hurting the business but they were like let's bring her on board and make her the accessibility person and ever since we've had a really great track record so i'm really proud of kind of the history of where we came with a lot of this stuff yeah that's really fantastic and i have to say you know tilt is i think we're in our eighth season now i believe and you know capital metro has really been there for us as a sponsor for a very long time and this upcoming production that we're doing is really about intersectionality and pride and it's happening on the weekend of the anniversary of the stonewall uprising in new york and so we're really proud not to make a pun there but we're really proud of this intersectional work between the LGBTQIA plus community and tilt and and what we're doing with this production it's all original and so I would love to close uh today by asking you um what are you most proud about with regard to Capital Metro's impact on access Gosh, I am I am just so proud of the the legacy that we hope to be leaving. I think that we're you know really pushing the envelope. We want to be a national leader in the space, and and it 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 makes us proud to just be from Austin. I think Austin and Austinites expect this, and we expect it of ourselves to really be pushing the envelope with 
accessibility, thinking outside the box and doing some fun things while also being incredibly inclusive. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, looking at the, the riots that we've had over the last summer with Black Lives Matter, with uh, LGBTQIA plus pride types of activities, um, accessibility is a huge thing. But the intersectionality, I think that's a really cool, you know, topic because, you know, I was going back looking at, um, I watched a great movie, Crip Camp, that came out pretty recently, wonderful movie. And it's so interesting when they, they talk about the, you know, the, the Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act, and they were doing the protests and the sit-ins and all this stuff. And it was neat to see that, you know, a lot of people, you know, coming up and like pitching in. So like the uh, Black Panthers were there, the LGBT community was there, you know, helping feed them. And so it was just, it was really cool. It was really important to see how it, it all ties together. And so I, I love the intersectionality of it all. I think it's really neat. And so that's, I'm, I'm proud that, you know, all of these communities really kind of have each other's back. Absolutely. And for folks who are interested in knowing more about what that term intersectionality means, because it takes on new meanings sometimes and new yes. hues, we invite you to join us on Saturday, June 26th for Loudly Proudly. You can find more information at tiltperformance.org. And I also, in addition to thanking you, Chad, Joanne Ortiz is not here with us today on this interview, but Joanne is just an amazing collaborator with Tilt as well. We couldn't do any of this without her. So we want to also send out a big thanks to Joanne. So thank you, Chad, for spending this time with me this afternoon. I truly appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing this performance. It's going to be awesome. Well, we hope so. And we, we're <laughs> predicting that too. So thanks so much. We'll get into our next segment here in just a minute. And we are back with part two of this episode of Tilt Talks, and we are speaking with Miss Boy, who is our Tilt U coordinator and also who has written and is directing some kind of festival, which is part of our upcoming production of Loudly Proudly. So thank you, Boy, for being here with us today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Can you talk a little bit about what your inspiration was for this piece, this kind of fest, some kind of festival. I really wanted to be called this kind of festival. Clearly, well, we could call it this guy. I don't, love, I don't mind. Um, you're, you're the um, artistic director. I mean, whatever you want. Um, well, tilt you this session. We had a class called. I taught a class called acting and activism, yes. and. I wanted to teach it in an intersectional kind of way. So it wasn't just about using theater for people with disabilities, but we covered race, we covered um, social justice in, in all of the ways that that has appeared in theater um, in the last couple of centuries. And um, when we were thinking about what theme we wanted our little piece to be of Loudly Proudly, we wanted something that reflected um, intersectionality in a way about the real life experience of that. So that's where the original idea came from. So we were like, okay, we'll do it in a festival at a pride festival. And um, we wanted to think about what were the, what would it be like if a group of people who know each other from somewhere else go to a pride festival but how they know each other has nothing to do with pride. Um, 
And so they come together to support one of their group members, but they come from a really varied backgrounds. Um, and so what would be the misunderstandings and who would be comfortable and who would be uncomfortable and how would those conversations happen? Um, and so that was the idea for the play. I love it. And can you talk a little bit about you? You're using a word that we use in our promotional materials for this production, but that I'm curious as to whether everyone who is listening might be familiar with. And that word is intersectionality. Can you talk a little bit about what intersectionality means both to you and in the context of this production? Thank you for saying to me and to this production rather than what is intersectionality, because they do whole courses at universities on what is intersectionality. And there are people far more qualified than me to talk about it. But the premise we used um, is that when, um, when a group of people come together for social justice, they all come bringing their own baggage. They come with different levels of privilege in society. They come with different races, different backgrounds, different, different abilities, uh, all of which have or don't have power in our society. And intersectionality is the willingness to recognize those differences and, and um, give space to parity and to be aware of where your privilege um, overrides and disadvantages or could potentially disadvantage somebody else um, in a really simple nutshell. So that's in terms of things like race, class, gender, sexuality, um, uh, cultural backgrounds, religion, all of those things are things that you bring together like for any movement has all of those things present, regardless if they are all unified by one piece, one aspect of their lives. Well, just from my perspective, I also think of intersectionality as sort of the idea that, you know, we are not one thing that mm -hmm. any, any individual person is not, does not tick, but one box on the, demographic survey, if you will, right? Right. Um, that it is truly the combination of things that are our lived experience, as well as things with which we are biologically imbued, mm -hmm. that come together at all of these intersections that inform our, as you said, place in society, and that we then can all work together as individuals and together to sort of break through those places in society that all of these different background features come together mm -hmm. in intersections to, yeah. to create in some ways. Um, yeah. That's, that's sort of part of how I think of intersectionality. It's easy mm -hmm. to say, well, tilt is a disability theater company. And while that is true, there's no such thing as solely a disability theater company because as humans, we mm -hmm. are many, many things, each one of us individually, and that is but one characteristic of what happens to define many of uh, the company members in Tilt, I think. Yeah, and and I think that this Loudly Proudly production is a what I love about the concept is the notion that, for me, you know, gay pride means gay pride 
you know, it means queer pride and and it has done for, well, a very long time. Um, and so for most of our cast, that is not true. So how can we give them the ability to express the things that they feel proud about in their lives, but personally, but also about who they are in their identities? Where do they feel comfortable? Where do they feel like they need to stand up for themselves? Or where do they feel like they need to be quiet? Um, where do they feel like they belong? Um, I was talking to a mem another member of the cast a, a year ago or so, and, and we were talking about how um, he had gone to a conference um, that was focused on people with the same disability as him. And it isn't a group of people he normally hung out with. And he was telling me how shocked he was about how comfortable he felt when he got there. Like mm -hmm. there was so much he didn't need to explain that he had taken for granted that he would have to explain when he goes out in public. Sure. And and he, he was just saying how much he enjoyed that. And I could totally relate to that because there are aspects of my life, um, different aspects of my life, whether I'm a musician or whether I'm being an actor or whether I'm being in my um, LGBT community or my goddess community, like trying to find a place where all aspects of me and are acceptable. And then for I think too, I think the hard thing about that when we live in lots of different communities is, is um, code, code adjusting. What's the right way to say that? Code. Code switching. Code, code switching. So like trying to remember how I'm supposed to speak in the right places at the right time and constantly putting my foot in it. I mean, I've got better at that, but I frequently would be hanging out. When I first came out, I was working as a bouncer at Wembley Stadium. Mm -hmm. And I'm hanging out with all these guys and um, uh, I'd be hanging out with them. And I was one of the guys, right? They treated me as one of the guys. And then I'd go and have a, a dinner party with my lesbian feminist friends. And and I would forget how I was supposed to speak uh, with them. And I, I got into some trouble. You know what's interesting about that is there's this really interesting documentary. And for those people who are listening, who might know me more as, as the artistic director of tilt, I'm also a vocal coach in the other aspect of my life. And there's this really great documentary that I often suggest that, that folks watch in any kind of vocal class that I'm teaching that revolves around any sort of vocal culture. And it's called, do I sound gay? Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, because so much of that documentary revolves around code switching and exactly mm -hmm. what you're talking about um, in in this moment, which I think is really not only fascinating, but 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 truly words mean a lot, and mm -hmm. we live in our language and we live by our language. And you know, tilt. I I love our mission statement. We are, you know we are on a mission to shatter disability stereotypes through inclusive theater. And mm -hmm. I would, I would even back that up to inclusivity and theater is the lens through which we work. And mm -hmm. I think that's something I am very proud of. And I would like to know, boy, I have asked in earlier in this episode in, in the, 
in part one of this interview with Capital Metro, I asked, well, what are you proud about that Capital Metro contributes? And I would like to ask you, boy, what are you proud about that Tilt contributes to either to the Austin area, to our company members, or to the world at large? Well, I'm proud about how we can give... All right, that is a really bad sentence. So that doesn't need to be there. Okay, so um, I'm really proud of the way that Tilt offers audiences a chance to meet and experience people with disabilities as people with shared experience in the world. And each one of us actors have had somebody come up to us and say, oh, I've, I've got the same experience as you and I've, I didn't ever see that before. Also, it's a, a form of education. A lot of folks get asked questions all the time, like, what is this, what is that? And, and we provide etiquette both in how we language our scripts, but also in telling people stories. And um, I love that our actors get to be, um, just get to be actors. Um, they're not disabled actors, they're actors. And when they're part of this company, they also don't have to worry quite so much about getting their, getting what they need in order to achieve the best possible outcome for themselves as actors. Um, and, I'm really proud of Tilt U that we've done this year. Um, we started it really quickly after the shutdown and um, that we have had such a diverse um, groups in each class because one of the great things I'm proud of in Tilt is that we have a, a real mixture of disabilities. So a lot of the theater companies around the world that I've looked at tend to focus on more specific types of disability. And so it's um, in a way easier to work with because you don't have the dynamic of different learning skills, different learning styles, different focusing styles, any more than you would in any other company. But with Tilt, we take all of that and put it together. So, um, and I like that, the way that everybody is with everybody else. And, and on the most part, we're really tolerant of each other. And like any theater company, we get really annoyed with each other sometimes. Like sometimes we haven't got any tolerance for each other, but that's more about our humanity than our disabilities. Absolutely. And I have to say, boy, truly, I am proud that we can have someone of your background, of your diversity of thought, of your caliber on our staff at Tilt as the Tilt U coordinator. I think that you have very special skills. And I often tell folks, I would love to be able to invite audience members and patrons and, and just folks who have a curiosity about what we do at Tilt into a rehearsal to watch our company work together because I think they're really special and unique things that happen there. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, very usual things that happen at Tilt that you would see at any theater company. And I truly believe that you are foundational to creating an environment that 
celebrates that duality. And so I want to thank you for being part of our community as well. Thank you. I mean, it's like a dream come true for me. You know, I I have such a, you're right, I do have such a weird collection of backgrounds and skills <laughs> that I never thought I would find a job where they all like were wanted, you know, at different points. And I really, really appreciate it. You know, I, I feel blessed every day, every day. Um, do I. I tell you, you know, thank you. Um, you are just delightful too, darling. Well, and we hope that listeners who are with us today will tune in to the premiere, which is on Saturday, June 26th, 2021. That is the anniversary weekend of the Stonewall Uprisings. And that was a very intentional time frame for us to premiere this. It will like most of our Tilt productions, will remain streamable for a couple of weeks. But we hope that folks will join us on Saturday, June 26th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Tiltperformance.org is where you can find more information, purchase tickets, and access the stream itself. So thank you so much, Boy, for being here with us today. Truly appreciate it. And every day, because you're Mm -hmm. with us every day as part of Toby. I am. Couldn't be more more grateful. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Tilt Talks. And special thanks to Riley Wesson for editing today's installment. Catch you next time.